The Sunday Baroque podcast is made possible by WSHU and the Friends of Sunday Baroque. You can find out more about the Friends of Sunday Baroque and find out how to become one yourself by visiting our website, sundaybaroque.org, under the Contact tab. Emily Lau calls herself a maker of art and communities, a composer, singer, people gatherer, and teacher of music and empathy. Music, theater, movement, film, and text are her media, and collaboration is one of her most significant core values. She is founding artistic director of The Broken Consort and teaches at Reed College, and she's also artistic director of Big Mouth Society. She holds a Master of Music in Early Music Performance from Longy School of Music of Bard College, and Emily Lau joins me on Zoom to talk about her life and career. Welcome. Hello, Suzanne. So let's just start by talking about how you're doing. It's been such a strange and stressful year for everyone with particular challenges for people in the arts. How are you? How have you been doing? It has been a very strange couple of years. Um, Music-wise, all of the live performances are uh, was not happening for a while. So Actually, it was a moment when many of my friends who, who know what I do reach out to ask for collaboration in doing a composition project, little things to keep, keep the spark alive. And then that's when I thought for my local nonprofit that worked with a lot of amateurs, I thought no one's going to continue, you know, like it's not going to be fun online, but everybody continued. The community was alive online the whole time. We met every week learn new things and and mounted a whole show actually not an oh. online show it was a live show at the end but oh. uh, it was very interesting um yeah there was some health situation in my family so I took care of my partner who had cancer for a year oh yeah no lots of long, long form answer um and and then um at the end of that I actually opened the restaurant <laughs> goodness 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 well, well, we'll get to that too. We're going to try to cover as much as we possibly can. I don't know. We're going to need hours, I think, to do this. But let's go back to the to the music thing. Music is just such a fundamental part of your life. I, I would like to know how and when you started being a musician and how and when you knew that it would be part of your life's work. Mm. Um, my parents were musicians. They met on an orchestra tour. Ow. And so I grew up in a family with lots of music. Uh, Western classical music and um, and all of my um, aunts and uncles and friends of my parents were all, all musicians so I grew up in my mother's music school oh. and <laughs> so that but I, I didn't know I was going to be a musician so I played violin I played a piano and I sang that was just normal life um, later in my teenage years I actually went to England to be um, to study at a cathedral choir school Mm-hmm. Wells Cathedral School and um, kind of starting around there I, I thought maybe maybe this could be a career maybe that's fun but mm-hmm. um, the way that I manage my life is not that I have a goal and then I try to achieve it it's just like I'm, I'm very much in the moment and at mm-hmm. that moment I thought like this is beautiful maybe I can have this uh, for a long time it makes me happy mm-hmm. um, so that was one of the things so and then after that it was just 
more education, more exploration and things opened up. Yeah. And you, you have your master's in early music performance. So that's a really very specific kind of subset, if you will. And how did you find your way to that? Um, <laughs> um, in undergrad, I was a voice major. Actually, I applied to undergrad as a theater and musical theater major. Oh. And they, at that time, they actually said, sorry, we can't take you because you're Asian. You're not castable. And back oh. then, it's not, it's 20 years ago. And I think back yeah. then, it wasn't untrue that they are not going to train a Broadway singer who is not going to get casted. Like, I mean, now I can see it with quite a lot of, you know, calmness. I had, you know, it <laughs> makes sense. Wow. And so they said, how about opera? And I didn't know opera. And I didn't like opera, to be very honest. <laughs> and also, there's not a lot of space for me. And, but um, throughout under, I went to undergrad at University of Miami. So I met some world-class chamber musicians and the school is famous for choir. So through the choir, I became a really good musician who got recruited to join this new and old music ensemble. And in there, it was the first time I sang a medieval mass. It's the first time I do these, you know, shoots, uh, 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 concerto and, and music like that. And I thought, oh, this is different. This is different because no one is there to point a stick at me to tell me exactly what is correct. I get to use my intellect, my own exploration and have something that's more suited for me. And so after that, I was um, encouraged to kind of keep seeking. I worked for a few years after undergrad, mm -hmm. um, but at some point I found Laurie Monahan, who ended up being my graduate school professor who fascinated me. Um, <laughs> and, and then that's why I moved to Boston. And there's, there was a part of me that thought, I'm very curious to see what if I moved to one of the biggest early music cities, you know, in the US and, and see where I stack up, like what would my, my life be like? It was very curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how did that go for you in Boston? That was great. <laughs> yeah. It is quite a vibrant uh, arts community. Um, yeah, I was worried that I wouldn't find any success in Boston. And honestly, for a young person, I was like 25, 26. I, it was pretty quick that mm. I found jobs, community. I really like my studies. Um, as a matter of fact, I am going to go on tour with my graduate school professor, Laurie oh. Monahan, um, in just a couple months in Seattle. <laughs> what are you doing with her? Um, she has a group called Tapestry. Okay. And um, we're doing a show about stars. And, and, oh. and um, yeah. Oh, how <laughs> thrilling. So That's I'm wonderful. I'm excited about that. You know, someone yeah. really important. I would say that Laurie Monaghan in, influenced me greatly in both my taste, my technique, my teaching. Mm -hmm. And and she she knew me very early on. Mm -hmm. So, you, you had such a great experience in Boston, and yet you're now in Portland. <laughs> so how did that happen? <laughs> um, Boston is wonderful in terms of how vibrant the scene was and how many new people and always new influence. But as my career and my artistic voice has evolved and changed, um, I realized that Boston is very... Uh, stressed, not stressful, but stressed. People in Boston are very stressed. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and and there are lots of old institutions doing old institutional things. And yeah, like like as I'm starting to become my own person over time, that didn't happen overnight. I was very happy <laughs> to do what was there uh, as my as I'm becoming more of a performance artist who wants to breach the gap between old and new music. Uh, I wanted to be in a place that was a little more calm and uh, supportive and that where I can build community. One thing that's difficult about Boston is that it's a ever changing cast of characters mm. because it, people come here for a short time for their career and graduate school. And so I wanted to build something longer. Um, yeah, and then also during my honeymoon, I was almost in a shipwreck. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> I did. I, was, I wasn't sure if you would want to talk about that. So I'm glad you brought that I up. I was in the Costa Concordia shipwreck uh, around 10 years ago. And when I came back, I really reshuffled all of my priorities. And so when I was in Boston for the longest time, I felt like uh, I was working to be like others, you know, to stack up basically. Yeah and to be good, to be excellent. And it's easy to lose our ways in this environment, to forget mm-hmm. why I'm in it in the first place and to mm-hmm. let the stress and the competition like get into our bones. And so when I was dealing with, you know, this shipwreck near death experience, when I came back, I, I decided that like my work has to be defined by love and passion and relationship and not these external, um, yardsticks that's given to me or that I for some reason just took it upon myself yeah that's a really good segue to my next question because one of the things that's so clear from the little bit of uh, contact you and I have had and then also just reading about some of these projects and some of your own values as a person a musician and teacher you call yourself a teacher of music and empathy and I just, I love that. I, I'd love for you to elaborate on that and also to, to talk up a little bit about whether empathy is a, a value and a skill that you kind of feel you've always possessed, or is it something that you have also worked to cultivate and, and to teach to others? Mm, it's a very big question. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> um, so I'm going to answer the, the last part first. Is empathy something that you just have or something? It's a skill. I believe that it's absolutely a skill. Um, I would say that most artists would call themselves very empathetic. And however, um, without good practice, it's easy for all of those emotions to be just become chaotic force in our life instead of like something we can bring to others, um, myself included. I would say when I was younger, I was just empathetic, but very chaotic. Mm-hmm. You know, like the inside is just a stew of emotions and it's easy for things to get really confused. And somehow as a field, we celebrate that. And especially we celebrate that in men, you know, oh, this, he, he's not, he, he's just really emotional because he's a genius, <laughs> you know? But I feel like that, that was never an option, number one for me. I feel like you can't lose yourself that way. And number two is not con- conducive to what I wanna build. Um, Mm -hmm. So having come out really from the traditions, like classical music traditions, both from my family and then going to like specialist music schools, uh, there are certain part of the culture that I didn't love. Mm -hmm. And from that, I'm a problem uh, solver. So I keep thinking like, well, it's easy to criticize, you know, but what are the other way? What are the other ways? 
So over the many years, I took methods in like expressive art therapy, in, in intercultural communication and reading and developing my own method, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or Schubert, Delcros, all of these mixed together and, and found um, some way to make projects that's different, that's collaborative. And, but in order to be truly collaborative, one must be empathetic like you actually have to really understand what other people want and need mm-hmm. in order to meet them and or in order to get yourself known. So over time that those skills over time, like, you know, get sharpened and I have to learn a lot of difficult lessons myself. Yeah, yeah. And how do you impart those lessons to your students as a mm-hmm. teacher of empathy and music? Mm-hmm. So uh, right now I have two major groups of students. One of them is through Reed. Uh-huh. And the other group is uh, through Big Mouth Society. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, I'd read any, I would have anywhere between, you know, eight to 15 students a year that I work on one-on-one and okay. lessons are less about just getting technique and ideas and knowledge, but about how to be, how do you relate to your own self and body and how do you use that relationship to relate to the world? Mm. And read students are brilliant, but a lot of time very trapped in their own head. And I feel like that's very much my, my role there is to make that connection. It's like, but something lives in our body, you know? Yeah. How does that work? And what is music really, if not to communicate and to bring joy to yourself and others? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I see so many professional musicians, they bring so much happiness to others. But in, in their private life, their own relationship with music is so tortured. Mm-hmm. And I remember just thinking not wanting that. So teaching that is um, just like o- overall pointing out different aspects of being aware and yeah. methods of changing. And with Big Mouth Society, it's, um, it's a collection, a collective of around 30 to 50 musicians of all different levels. So from complete beginner who has never, ever performed in a show before to oh. world-class Grammy-winning professionals, uh, people, like, they, we perform as a collective together with no, um, like, we don't point out who's the professional, who's the beginners, and we make art together. And because I believe that no matter what level of accomplishment, there's something you can offer. So you're showing up very much, like, as a whole person. And again, that's a that's we're in the fourth year as a nonprofit and, and things are starting to feel really, really good. And it feels really organic and beautiful. And so like through that, through that community, you know, I also teach very much about what like music as a tool for empathy and, and joy. That's very cool. Can you, can you encapsulate just sort of like maybe one of your favorite projects with, with the organization, with Big Mouth Society? Just so that, you know, to kind of explain Mm -hmm. what it is that you mean or how you might have meshed some of the beginners and the Grammy winners. (laughs) Yeah, let me think. Um, So I want to explain what Big Mouth also is. Big Mouth is the umbrella organization of a lot of my crazy ideas. (laughs) (laughs) And so my professional ensemble, The Broken Consort, that I started in Boston is also housed under Big Mouth. So... And the idea is, you know how you, um, when you go to a, a, a dance company, a lot of times they have a school underneath and the professionals uh-huh. are performing with 
with the people in the school and there's like a thing and it funds yeah. itself. Yeah. That's the idea for Big Mouth. Like, mm-hmm. and, and professionals can't, needs fans. They need people who understand what they actually do, you mm-hmm. know, and they need long-term relationship. So let me think, oh, there's so many good stores, good projects. Um, okay, so I'll give you a couple. Okay. <laughs> so one of the things that we've done since we started was to explore the really complex and interesting uh, topic of American music, actually. And the inaugural concert was given by the Broken Consort with one of our touring projects called Made in America. So several years ago, uh, Arizona Early Music Society commissioned a program with us and said, hey, uh, we want, it's in vogue right now, you know, American music. So it, it was, it was several years ago and everyone was doing these like Americana, like uh, shaker tunes. Yeah. And, and do you remember this moment? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was the moment. And I thought, um, let's use this project to ask a bigger question, which is like, what is America? Like, <laughs> what is Americans anyway? Mm-hmm. So at the end, we presented a program of um, early music quote, from North, Central, and South America, mm-hmm. colonial and pre-colonial, mm-hmm. um, from many different, and Native Americans, and really from all different directions, and, and painted a more interesting, I think, more complete picture of what that is. And ever since then, we have been exploring this kind of topic. So it's not not Baroque. It is not not new music but it's not about that. It's about a larger context of what we're trying to, the story we try to tell. So uh, last, right before lockdown, like one day before lockdown, <laughs> we did a show called The American Promise, which talks, which trace through history, what are the various promises we made to different groups of people and, and what are the promises kept and what were the promises broken and and how do we like what is the narrative and we all of the shows in a way are very socially conscious without talking about it we have no and one thing is I really want it to be a space that is not just a a preaching machine to talk about one side one opinion I want to show that like there are many ways to see a top as a topic, it is very nuanced. And then, and so, so some of these projects looks like this. And then we have projects that explore like the adventurous and disobedient women of different generation. And what did mm-hmm. they do that was so disobedient, you know? And, <laughs> and, and you, you get the point of like yeah. various different things. And yeah, yeah. yeah. that's great. So <laughs> as, as, busy as you are with teaching and performing and organizing and all of this, you just opened a restaurant. (laughs) So do tell cloud pine tea and culture. Yes. Mm -hmm. Tell me about your, your new venture, your newest venture. Um, If you know me, you know that there's always a party in my house. always a party at my house. Uh, It could be any day. You could be like, Hey, I'm, I'm on dinner tonight. And I'm like, Oh, come over. And that would be a party at my house. And um, I have been a lifelong enthusiast and like expert in tea and cooking. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so like my house has always been a restaurant and a tea house. But I never thought of opening a restaurant tea house because that would be crazy. <laughs> right. 
Um, <laughs> and I'll, I'll tell you the long story because it's actually pretty funny. I've not told anybody this other than my colleagues. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was in Thailand and the people who really captured my heart were street vendors. And I talked to like many of them. I, re- I was a repeat customer of several of these stalls and they tell their stories. And then I had an ongoing joke for like almost a year. I said, I should have a stir fry stand in back, you know, in the, in the driveway. And, <laughs> and as, you know, as the pandemic like raged on, I'm like, oh yeah, I should totally have a stir fry stand <laughs> in the driveway. But of course you can't because of, you know, sanitation rules and stuff. Right. And but the joke kind of went on. And, and then um, a beautiful storefront opened up for, for lease in downtown Milwaukee, where I live three minutes from my house on main street across from city hall. And it's beautiful. And out of curiosity, that's kind of just how I am. I'm like, let's go look at it. And we went looking, looking at it and it felt really beautiful and special. And, and so I usually don't do things by first making a plan to do it and then look for the people. I usually look for the people and see if it's feasible. So I remember, so I had, um, two students who I taught at Reed, who graduated, <laughs> who were both um, really good cooks and really interesting people, musicians, mm-hmm. artists, linguists. And, you know, I, I call one of them and I said like, hey, I have this crazy idea. And if I do it, I want you to do it with me. Like, I want you to be the manager and do it with me. Would you like to? And it was like, yes, <laughs> I would love to. I'm like, it would be like a three-year project, probably. And they're like, yeah. And it will eat your whole life up. That would be <laughs> the only thing you do. <laughs> and, um, and so I have two full-time employees who are both my former students. And we approach this as an art project. Hmm. And for it's, there's always music. There's a grand piano and there's music. There is beautiful art from around the world. It features... Uh, recipes and uh, cooking of my culture and also my creations and tea and you know it's it's been really fun and uh, within three months we are like a five-star rated super I know it's totally crazy like super busy restaurant I didn't expect that to be very honest Um, so it's been really fun and um, unlike music the language is not complicated to understand so it's like hard to get people in the door to watch your shows, you know, sometimes it's not hard to get people to come to your restaurant and have a good time. And so that is new. Wow. 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 Well, congratulations on those five-star ratings too. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. Yeah. So I, this almost seems like a frivolous question because you just have so much on your plate, but is there anything else that you are particularly passionate about in this moment? I just kind of have the feeling that you don't let any grass grow under your feet. So I'm curious to know what, what else, what is on the horizon or what else that we haven't talked about maybe that is just really exciting to you at this moment. So, you know, I'm a composer. I do a lot of commissions and work and um, I have a project coming up at the Kennedy center um, setting the poetry of Gabriela Mistral, who is the first Nobel prize winning South American queer feminist. (laughs) <laughs> cool. so that's really exciting yeah so, when is that when is that happening um in april and for april 2022 or- yeah for chamber orchestra uh choir soloists and it's um 
it's it would be the first um, commission I hope that the premiere that actually took place instead of getting canceled in the last two years. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's, that's when I'm learning Spanish um, to be even more in the words. Like I, I have said a lot of Spanish before, but I definitely feel like for the longest time I sit outside of those words. Mm-hmm. And as a person who's multilingual, like I don't like that feeling of setting music to a word that I don't feel in my, you know, in my cells. So it's, um, yeah, yeah. I'm excited to uh, learn Spanish and uh, have, have just embodied this a little bit more. Mm. Well, that's thrilling. That's really exciting. <laughs> we're going to have to, we're going to have to sit down and talk again when that project is, is, you know, imminent and, <laughs> and explore some of those particulars. So I have been speaking on Zoom with Emily Lau, a composer, singer, teacher, restaurateur, about her remarkable path in music and life. Thank you so much for making time for this wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so